Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Daily Objective. And uh, today is a very special episode. Uh, today is January 27th, which is my 36th birthday. And also today is my final episode of the Daily Objective. That's right. You heard me right. It's my 36th birthday. Maybe we can talk about that, what that means. Uh, explore 36 from a number of cultural angles and uh, what are birthdays anyway when you think about it. Which calendar, by the way, is that? The Western calendar? Um, yeah, jokes aside. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I did come to the decision uh, that my time on the Daily Objective uh, has been very positive and we'll be talking about that today. But uh, I am leaving the show. I am leaving the network. Today is my final episode. And um, uh, I guess I'll, I'll sort of uh, briefly, vaguely, um, <laughs> I like how like the first five comments in the chat room are like, oh, happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday, then no, but um, I'll, I'll sort of brush upon the kind of what went into this decision in a very agreeable, nice way that we're not, there's no drama, there's nothing negative, but um, but, uh, you know, you guys deserve uh, some type of explanation. So uh, a big, uh, you know, a, a certain uh, aspect of it is logistic. Um, this show is at 12 noon on weekdays um, in my time zone. And that really kind of cuts right in the middle of the day. It's it's very hard, obviously, to make plans and to make up, do other things and to travel and all that without always having in mind I need to be somewhere at noon or whatever it is. You get it. So there's that aspect of it for sure. And when this show began, it was 10 a.m. local time when I was in California, which is much, you know, it's sort of better because, um, you know, it's like the morning. So you get it out of the way and then you got the rest of the day. And also it was lockdowns back then. We were in lockdowns. So it's like, where was I going anyway? And I was waking up crazy early anyway at that time because my sleep was very kind of uh, light. I was very stressed, at least. Uh, somatically psychosomatically i seem to be very uh restless in the during the lockdowns so i was kind of waking up crazy early anyway i didn't have to worry about you know needing to wake up early to do the show at 10 a.m um so you know there's the logistical aspect um you know this is not you know it's to, to have to do this several days a week or se yeah several days a week is uh you know it, it was always kind of had a, a shelf life i think um, and, you know, and in another sort of a, in a more of a spiritual level, I kind of, um, I should be doing my own thing. I think, uh, I've come to that decision. I think being on a network was always kind of awkward for me. Uh, when you're on a network, you're sort of, um, representing a network, you're representing other people, you're representing other people's decisions. You're sort of committed to this brand. And, uh, that's just not really me. I was always just kind of kind of I kind of do I like doing my own thing um so you know that's kind of my you know that's sort of like a spiritual aspect of this as opposed to logistical and um um you know and then when it comes to objectivism especially because this philosophy and the author for whom this network is named Ayn Rand is so important to me it's it's like an extra delicate thing you know uh that I'm representing and promoting a network and uh you know, I'm promoting a brand that has to do with something so important to me. So um, it's extra controversial in my mind to 
be participating in a network. So it was always kind of like semi-awkward for me. Now, when we started doing this show, the this channel was very, very much less known. There was hardly any traffic because there was hardly any content. And, um, you know, and we started doing this show and, you know, the, the, the channel grew a little bit, certainly among fans of Ayn Rand. And next thing, you know, we're, we're doing these celebratory episodes, you know, commemorate, oh, 100 episodes. And we got the who's who of the objectivist intellectual class, you know, on live stream with us. And I'm just like, okay, this is in some respects an, an amazing opportunity. And, and I'm, you know, honored. And in another respect, it's like, it's not, it's, I'm not sure I, I want to be doing this or like, I'm not sure this is me or, or put it this way. I'm not sure this is what I want to be doing forever or for very long. And I've always said, or I think, I think a couple of times I said when we would do one of these celebratory, you know, 200th episode, whatever it is, or two year episode anniversary type thing, I would say like, you know, the daily objective is something special that, you know, us four main co-hosts did here. We built this and it's not written in stone that it's going to always be the four of us. You know, there's going to be other guest co-hosts, permanent co-hosts coming and going. Who knows, right? So I've always kind of had that in the back of my mind. And uh, I think this was kind of a long time coming. Um, so th those are kind of the um, both logistical and spiritual components to what went into this decision. This was my decision. Let's be very clear. Um, I'm very appreciated and uh, wanted on this network by the powers that be and, you know, clearly by a lot of you who watch the, or listen to the content. Um, I was, you know, I, this was definitely my decision and it was not an easy one. And, uh, you know, a, a, no big decision should ever be obviously taken lightly. And it should, you know, uh, um, this is kind of me describing what I did. And, you know, and I suggest you do the same with your own choices, uh, take time to think about it. And then once you do make a decision, you know, give, uh, give the boss some notice, you know, don't disappear overnight, you say, okay, here, here's what let's look at the calendar. And uh, let's make this as, um, you know, as easy on all of us as possible. Um, all right, uh, Kirk Wilcox with $2 says happy birthday. Michael with $10 says happy birthday and thank you. Brian Bonar with $5. Thank you for that. Wes with $20 says sad to see you go, but it's great to hear you are going to do your own thing. Good luck. Thanks. So, um, yeah, this is, uh, you know, it's been an amazing experience. So I wanted to spend the rest of the episode today kind of going down memory lane, maybe talking about some of my, um, you know, favorite memories that happen to come to mind as I as I look back at the last uh, two or three years, I guess, two and a half, three years, something like that. Uh, thank you, Rhett, for the 999 as well. Um, and Bradley with 599 says, you do you, Rucka. Thank you for your time. Thanks, guys. And, you know, if if you can't live without me, I do have my own live streaming channel. I reluctantly plug it even on my way out. But uh, I do my own live streams. Uh, the channel is called Rucka Live. It's uh, it's a bit more uh, satirical often. It's a bit more kind of a stream of consciousness, sort of free flow at times. Um but, you know, it could it, I try to I've been trying to kind of make it more topical and sort of disciplined and, and kind of focusing on a topic each live stream. And if, you know, if a few of you happen to show up over there and, uh, you know, kind of participate by you know, with certain questions or requests for topics, then, you know, who knows? It, it could, you know, obviously become a little bit more topical and focused. So, um, you know, you could find me over there. It's Rucka Live and uh, 
And I, you know, and the other disclaimer, in addition to it being a little bit more loose with the uh, stream of consciousness, um, I'm a bit more blunt than uh, you've seen me over here. Like, uh, I mean, I love I love the chat room. I love pretty much everyone, <laughs> pretty much everyone uh, who participates here. But um, but I also, you know, I'm not that blunt. So like if I see, I don't know what I feel is like a cringy objectivist virtue signaling type of, uh, you know, uh, well, we live in an irrational society. I why won't they all become objectivist already? Uh, where can I find an objectivist girlfriend? I have a very low tolerance for that shit. Excuse my language. Um, so and, but why why do I have a low tolerance for, for the, the above, by the way? Um, you'll find out, I guess, or I'll sort of tell you now. I, I find these things to be. Um, uh, sophomoric, uh, painting with a broad brush, painting the world. It's a, it's a coping mechanism and objectivism, the greatest gift to man has also can be like any technology, uh, used for evil. And people certainly cope, certainly people rat, certainly rationalize. And, um, you know, if you're gonna make excuses, if like, if you're, if you're afraid to try, if you're afraid to work on yourself and you're going to say, oh, the world is so bad. And, you know, I, you know, I'd be, I would be doing great in life, but for the world, but for the irrational society, if you come, uh, you know, chatting that type of thing around me, I think you'll, you'll get my honest opinion all to the positive goal of showing you that there's a better way. Apollo Zeus with two pounds and some wonderful emojis, uh, and I think I read Bradley's as well. Thank you for that. Okay, now we got uh, some time left to go through some favorite um, memories and stuff. Again, if you think of anything that took place in the last, um, in the last, uh, you know, in, during the tenure, my tenure on this show, definitely chat and or super chat. Jonathan Honig with $2 says, we never got to say goodbye. I mean, that's a very sad, but I will be saying, uh, you know, some very nice words about my co-host here today. Let's let's go back to 2020. Was it? Yeah. 2020, you know, COVID-19 for whom the or okay, COVID-19 named for 2019 was really uh, taking effect um, in early 2020. I was like everyone living in lockdown in California, times were a changing and there was this feeling of like all bets are off, you know, the world you knew you mustn't take for granted and uh, lockdowns were a shocking thing. And then the violence uh, in the aftermath of the George Floyd killing was a, just such an incredibly disheartening thing for me. Um, I had been in love with Los Angeles since I first visited in 2010. And it became like my long-term goal to move to LA. And I, a big motivation for cleaning up my act, you know, kicking bad habits and uh, really, really um, pushing myself to succeed was motivated by this vision of someday moving to LA. And then I did move to LA. And then that was a very kind of shocking cultural you know, change, right? You're in this new city, you hardly know anyone. Uh, but it was exciting. And I just, you know, I had such a wonderful experience moving there, living there, getting adjusted. I learned so much and grew so much. And here we were 2020 and I'm watching people my age, transplants like me who had many of whom moved to L.A. to chase their dream out in the streets, burning down small businesses. And I know we love big business and small business alike. We love honest business, but 
I mean, you know, there is a little bit of merit to the uh, emphasizing of a small that it's a small business because it's like this is like a person's just a concrete a concretization of of one person or a couple people's uh, hard work and and chasing of their dream just shattered and and burnt down and uh, and it and it destroyed more than than that property it destroyed people's confidence in knowing that we live in a community we live in a civilization we live in a place where that won't happen. So, um, yeah, the BLM related, uh, civil unrest, as it was called, it definitely added to this feeling of like, all bets are off, you know, like you, like you can't, you can't take anything for granted. Um, so that's what I was going through. And I got a call from, uh, Lord Emperor Razi, uh, who, you know, from this channel, he's sort of the, uh, well, he's not sort of, he is the creator and person in charge of the Ayn Rand Center UK. And he called me up and he said, all right, here's what we're thinking of doing. Like basically you and Nikos, who I, I vaguely knew who Nikos was. I had seen a couple of videos, him on stage at some objectivist related events. It was probably Ayn Rand Con in Prague or one of those Eastern former block places. Excuse me. I, I learned many things in my life, but European geography is not one of them. Uh, and uh, so I kind of knew who he was, but, you know, so I so Rozzy said, you know, here's here's what we want to do. If you're interested, it would be, you know, like 20 minutes, a few days a week. I don't remember. if I think we might have started this doing five days a week, actually. Like I was me and Nikos five days in a row or maybe maybe it was four days. I don't remember. At some point it became that I'm, you know, that it changed over time. Anyway, I think. Uh, it was basically just me and Nikos. Uh, Gloria Alvarez was like the first, was also like a reoccurring host. And, um, and I think it was, that was basically it. Maybe again, it's, it's all kind of blurry, but yeah, like we, we did, I think the first episode, if I recall, was about the BLM, uh, civil unrest. And, uh, I think I, yeah, I remember what I said. I said, George Floyd needs to live in a world where businesses are not, where property is protected, where businesses are not violated, right? Where, so it's not only that, you know, we should be outraged at a, at a person being suffocated by a police officer. It's also like, we, what kind of world do people need to live in when they're not being suffocated, right? Like life is not simply about not being choked. Life is about the ability and freedom and liberty to pursue the good, to be moral, to pursue the life you want. Um, so that's my memory of the first, the very first episode. Um, uh, jumping over to the chat room, Mark Moses has been a member for six months and he says, Rucka, we hardly knew you. And Kirk with $5 says, I, I went from saying, what are you on the left to literally I left ever the, uh, witty Kirk Wilcox. And then Rhett with 999, um, says you are okay. Wow. That's a long one. He goes, you are one of the, I didn't know you can say this much text in nine with 999. Let me take a sip of my tea. I'm going to lose my voice reading this one. He says, you are one of the preeminent objectivists of all time and musical legend of a generation. All right, I'll, I agree with that last part. He goes, will you ever integrate these? On ARC UK, you're like Dominique writing and then sneaking to Rourke's apartment. Um, listen, Rhett, thank you. Uh, there's a lot happening in that that I think a lot, like, maybe can be unpacked and untangled. I definitely appreciate the love. Um, 
But, you know, it's like this is the type of thing where like we have we're when you say this type of thing to me, we have we I go, OK, let's sit down and talk about this. Like, what's going on here? Like uh, you're getting a little bit carried away or it's almost like you're you're replacing poetry and and metaphor to reality itself. And thank you. You know, preeminent objectivist. I don't even know what preeminent even means. I know it's like a good thing. It's a top thing. But, um, you know, objectivism is a philosophy. Philosophy is a very, very complex study. It's a science, whatever it is. It's a discipline, uh, no less complicated than medicine and rocket science. And some people truly dedicated their brain and mind power to philosophy. Um, but, you know, I am uh, happy and proud to say I love this philosophy. I care about it. I've studied it uh, in, as far as... Um, as I've had sort of the time and focus and, you know, it's, it's an ongoing uh, source of power and empowerment. Marilene with $5 says, I missed the first part. You're leaving sad. Marilene, how can you miss the first part of the show? Uh, yeah, but I'm not going to repeat it all now. Well, I will repeat it all now. Why not? Uh, there's a logistical aspect. It's, you know, it's 12 noon in my time zone. It's a little bit inconvenient. And also, I'm kind of feeling like doing my own thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's been kind of a long time coming. I wasn't really cut out for this. Kind of like my good friend, Stephen S. Crowder, uh, who, you know, the Daily Wire, Jeremy Boring, realized this guy was meant to do his own thing. Kind of like that. Um, so, you know, this is not goodbye. It's... Oh, it, it really is goodbye. Um, but hey, I could come back and visit sometimes. What was I talking about before this? Um, oh, yeah. So thanks. I mean, so Rhett, uh, thank you for that super chat. I, I really don't understand the whole Dominique sneaking to Rourke's apartment. Maybe maybe it's a little bit tongue in cheek. But, um, you know, even even when you're singing my praises, I say we want to be very careful and stay grounded and Remember that like reality comes first and then we conceptualize it with philosophy, right? Um, like we induct, philosophy is inductive. We observe and we live in reality. Really the people you know in real life are like kind of in a very important sense, more important than any character, right? In, a, in, one, in another sense, art is, is super important as well. You know, it's, it's, a, big, it's a big topic. Um, but if you're, but here's another point. If you're, if you're saying, if you're saying these things that, and I don't really understand where, what you're trying to say or where you're coming from, and I don't know what you look like and what you're like in person, it makes me think you're going a little bit off the deep end. And we don't want that. We don't want to be down a rabbit hole. So I hate to respond to your praise with sort of light criticism, but this is kind of what you get with me. And that's kind of what I was saying earlier. Um, it's, uh, it's it's all towards a positive purpose, but um, I I I uh, it's it's kind of yeah it's kind of what I want to it's kind of what I do. Jeff with ten Canadian dollars says, "Gonna miss you, sir." Here's this ten dollars Canadian. That's seven fifty U.S. for you. Oh well, thank you, and the network appreciates all of your super chats today. Um, all right, so it was uh, that was like there was like that first um you know, episode, I recall, uh, soon after that, I remember doing an episode with, uh, Johan Norberg, who I never really heard of, but I sort of understood him to be like a pretty big author, you know, about like progress and, and sort of a pro-liberty, pro-technology guy. 
and Gloria Alvarez was on that episode as well. And oh, the topic was like Sweden, right? Like, oh, Sweden is um, socialist, right? Like, why can't we be more like Sweden? And, you know, it was a bit of a, this was all very new to me. I was not, back then, I was not in the habit of going live on the internet and talking philosophy or about anything for that matter. And here I am interviewing two people at once. Um, so it was like, I was really taking a leap into the unknown and challenging myself and uh, to, be, to be able to say, I went from there to a place where now, you know, I show up, we have a guest, I, I sort of wing it, we have fun, we end it, I go about my day that it's become kind of second nature is, you know, really cool to reflect on. And maybe it inspires some of you at home to uh, sort of take a challenge and delve into the unknown and the unfamiliar and watch your second nature uh, transform as well. I remember in that episode, Johan said, um, he goes, yes, Sweden is a wealthy country, but before they were socialists, they were a very wealthy country. See what he did there? And I said, yeah, I've heard a version of that joke that goes, a man, a man saying, when I got married, my wife made me a millionaire. Before I married her, I was a multimillionaire. So there's a, a nice little, uh, little joke for you. you. Use that one at the bar and watch the ladies. Well, maybe tell that one to the, to the fellas, I suppose. Uh, I um, remember that, uh, you know, then like, me and Nikos used to uh, go at it. We had our early sort of era of the show, I think was basically just me and Nikos for a while. And I, uh, I'm happy to say I was the voice of prudence as these lockdowns were taking place, as, you know, we had like episodes titled like, are we in East Germany now? I said, certainly not. You got to be kidding me, folks. I said, East Germany, do you know what totalitarianism is, folks? I mean, Jesus Christ, do I even need to explain this? Like, we're better than this, I basically said. And uh, look, as bad as lockdowns were and as scary as they are in indicating what the future might look like, come on, folks. You're sitting in your apartment, watching Netflix, ordering stuff on Amazon, ordering uh, restaurant food, comparing yourself to East Germany, comparing yourself to the Soviet Union. Folks. I mean, I expect better. So I made that point clear. And I'm happy to say um, that, uh, you know, prudence is is something I've gotten better at in my life. It, it's hard. It's hard to be prudent when you have this exciting philosophy, this philosophy that seems to have all the answers to everything now. But then I think if you're earnest enough, you end up kind of realizing what Ayn Rand wrote as a 70-year-old woman is not something you can quite say with confidence as a much younger person who is learning her philosophy second-handed. And second-handed is not meant to be a bad thing, but obviously she developed her philosophy over a lifetime, and here we are kind of consuming the finished product. So you gotta cool it, I say. And when you go to the, you know, to the big shot objectivist training ground, you you find out real quick that nobody's going to be impressed by you wagging your finger and say, we live in an irrational nihilistic society. Oh, can you demonstrate that to me? Can you prove that to me from the ground up, starting with observations and factoring all the evidence available? Like you got to really, really um, have some balls to make that kind of generalization. If you're, if you're going to be able to play with the big boys.
Um, let's run, jump back to the super chats. Uh, Zalmi with 99 says, I guess we share a birthday. Are you serious? Or are you, do we really share a birthday? And you just noticed that now? Theme Master with five pounds says, thanks. Oh, thank you. Wyatt with $2 says, was it that you had less affinity with the new host? Not at all. Not at all. I mean, and if, if that were the case, why, I mean, it's been, I, the early era with just Nikos was so, was so like right now just seems like a blip on the radar, right? It feels like Jonathan and Mark have been here forever. So that's not at all it. I like everybody. I had a great time. Chandler with $5 says, thanks for being the most awesome regular host on my favorite objectivist talk show. You're a natural. Hope you can show up as a guest. Marilyn with $5 says, it's been good. Happy birthday. Wishing you the best. Uh, thank you, Marilyn. Little moment uh, for Marilyn here, who is, uh, you know, she believed in us from the start. She believed in us. She supported us with her comments, with her super chats. And, uh, you know, this network, this show is Marilyn's as well. All right. So, um, yeah, so I guess uh, that brings us over to the sort of next, uh, you know, phase two of the show. We got two new co-hosts, Jonathan Honig and Mark Pellegrino. Uh, Jonathan Honig is a guy I used to watch on Fox News here. And the fact that I used to watch Fox News is kind of embarrassing for me. I'm, I'm sure plenty of you watch Fox, no offense, but to me, it's it's embarrassing. Um, but <laughs> Jonathan was was the good guy because uh, it was like a finance show and he was making the case for actual capitalism, actual liberty. And he was speaking in terms of principles. So something about Mr. Honig struck me early on when I used to watch him. I was like, this guy doesn't sound like your run-of-the-mill um, run conservative or even the average libertarian out there. Like, this guy, there's something different about him. And then at some point, I, I noticed, oh, he, he, he tweets about objectivism. And he's, you know, hanging around Euron Brook and all this stuff. So, Wow. Uh, an objectivist on TV shouting down other pundits about capitalism. This was an historical first, folks. This was a cable news first. This is uh, the world changing. Uh, Jonathan Honig was a guy, you know, so I, he was a guy I was a fan of. And then to be able to be his friend and to work with him on a regular basis is, you know, one of the many uh, wonderful things that have uh, come to be. Um, and, you know, and, you know, speaking of history, I think we've done something historical here. And because, you know, objectivism is such a young philosophy and such a small group of people that take it seriously. Uh, this is the first time I think like a handful of students said, let's have a conversation, uh, you know, about the news or about a subject. And there's like kind of a, an audience. So it's it's kind of like a like an improv improv theater type thing or it's it's improv when it, when me and Mark Pellegrino do the show that's improv it's very much sketch comedy when jonathan or nikos hosts because they're prepared they've re been reading you know volumes in advance or in jonathan's case uh, preparing a powerpoint presentation and you know jonathan uh so that's jonathan you know very cool to be able to work with him and uh mark pellegrino obviously i knew of him because he's you know a famous actor um but yeah he's done so many big shows i haven't actually watched i did have a moment that comes to mind here on the show when we had a guest on who was like a big Pellegrino fan. And then someone in the chat room said, my favorite Pellegrino film is Big Lebowski. And I was like, what? You were that? I like Googled it. You were the guy who dunked Jeff Ridge's head in the toilet. Like that was a, that was a, that was a moment for me growing up that movie, you know, I was whatever. I, I didn't, I didn't bring this up to Pellegrino in terms of the age because that's, you know, 
I don't know. I don't, I don't like to emphasize that because um, it's almost like you're calling somebody old by saying I grew up, you know, with your content, but um, not that, you know, not that I I'm sensitive to that type of remark or anything, but, um, but that was a cool moment as a kid. Like, you know, I was, you know, I was like 12 or 13 discovering my own manhood and here's this badass guy, you know, just dunking Jeff Bridges head into the toilet and kicking his butt. That was like, this guy's cool. <laughs> there you go. The image of a cool guy. Uh, Mark Pellegrino, 1998. So, so to here to be doing a podcast with him and not even realizing he was that guy was a pretty cool moment. But yeah, uh, you know, we had uh, early on, I remember, and, you know, we got to a point where, you know, me and Mark had a lot of fun, funny, memorable episodes together. And, you know, that's really cool. So um, how many people could say they have a hit show with Mark Pellegrino. So that's, that's been just a wonderful uh, friendship and, you know, intellectual opportunity as well. Um, so yeah, let's, I guess we can jump back to the super chat. Jeez, you got, you guys are, uh, are generous today. Robert with $20 says as an American of Syrian descent, I'm fully prepared to take over. I've got a few humorous and insightful music parodies ready to go. Whoops. Wait, which channel is this? Seriously, all the best on your future endeavors. Thank you. Free trade with 50 Swedish crones says, sad to see you go. You've produced a lot of insightful commentary and comic relief on these shows. Best of luck with your future endeavors. Aaron Shaw with 999 says, all the best for the future. Thank you. That's uh, Shah, like the rightfully installed ruler of Iran. Uh, with that, in whose absence, we are now seeing absolute chaos in the streets. Um, all right. So... All right, I'll back. Let's jump back over to memory lane. And congratulations to uh, Ayn Rand Center UK on all these super chats, by the way. I hope you guys are ordering steak tonight. Um, I developed full blown Trump derangement syndrome on this show uh, in the during and after the 2020 election. So I guess that was like. We started this show in like March or something of 2020. And then here comes October, November, finally the election time. And I see Trump just declare his own victory at night, the evening of the election. And I just said, good Lord, now I get it. Now I get it. It's not about policy. It's not about anything as much as it's about method. When you have a person who is beholden to no facts, when you have a person who is motivated by no logic and no rules, but simply his own capricious whims, that is a scary type of person to have in political power. And that doesn't mean Trump would ever use that power to do something atrocious per se. But the fact that somebody that blatantly whimsical and capricious could be elected is something new in American history, I, I realized. And we can talk all day about everything that's been wrong up until Trump in pol American politics. You're, you're, you're preaching to the choir if you, if you bring that up. I, I get it. Uh, and all of the previous, you know, administrations and, and Congress has paved the way for Trump. So, you know, he's a, quote, product of the environment, if you like. But I realized uh, method is everything. Epistemology is what makes or breaks. Um, a philosophy in a very big way, right? So if your method of arriving at your conclusion is capricious, faith-based, whatever it is, socially based, like you're just getting it from the group, 
you're not you're you're on the opposite end of objectivism, right? So the objectivist epistemology is, of course, reason. You know, observe, objectively conceptualize, integrate, and you know, and act accordingly. And uh, the opposite of the truth is not falsehood. The opposite of truth is the arbitrary. I don't know if objectivism puts it quite that way or not, but that's what I'm saying here today. The opposite of the truth is the arbitrary. Aaron, again, with 499 says, and I missed it. What channels can we find you doing commentary going forward? Um, and then Ayn Rand Central UK plugged it. It's, you know, Ruck Alive is the channel. Again, like I said earlier, not everyone is always going to get my humor. Uh, the stream of consciousness can be a little bit uh, satirical and hard to swallow at times. But uh, like I said, it could take more of a disciplined and intellectual turn uh, if there's sort of demand or a sort of uh, engagement that goes in that direction. And plus, I'll, let's face it, I'll be missing this. I'm going to miss this. So I imagine I'll be using the platforms I have to do that. Um, so yeah, Trump, I grew to hate Trump or to hate what he represents. I don't, you know, here's the thing. I don't hate Trump. Like he's not important enough for me to hate. Isn't that like the ultimate insult? I don't care enough about him to hate. I, I hate the fact that he could win and that people could behave the way they do in defense in his in his support in support of him. And that brings us to January 6th, right at the beginning of 2021, which, you know, I, I told you I told you how the BLM riots made me so disheartened and sad um, in a city like L.A., which I had grown to love. And that was where I, like the thought of leaving L.A. began to kind of develop in my mind which I, I, I kind of thought I was going to stay in LA possibly forever. You know, I, I love the city and it's a wonderful place. And I thought I was probably going to live there forever. Uh, the thought of leaving LA kind of began with the civil unrest that took place there. Um, jumping over to January 6, 2021, that's when I started thinking maybe just the United States altogether is not really what I thought it was or not the place that I, it used to be or whatever. Right. So I actually started thinking of leaving the USA. So first, uh, I fall out of love with L.A. because of the BLM riots. And then January 6th happens. And I'm like, is this even my country? You know, is this is this the America I fell in love with as a child um, and, you know, cared so much about living in and staying in? Um, so, yeah, I remember I was watching, uh, you know, season three of Fauda was on Netflix during that time. And I remember remarking, like, you know, maybe I'll just move back to Israel. All right. Why not? That idea did not go very far. I'm I'm going to stick around. But I did end up moving to Austin. And that was kind of something I sort of shared in real time here on the Internet. And um, I think the initial idea was to move to Vegas. I thought, hey, I'll move to Vegas, not too far from L.A. And then I kind of realized Vegas is like cool for one day or something. But just the thought, imagine being in Vegas. You, you move to Vegas. And you're like on the strip. And you go out to the casinos and yeah, yeah, okay, jump forward one week. And you're just like, uh, shit, I'm stuck in Vegas now. Um, and where am I going to go? To the desert or to the desert? Oh, Rhett with 999 says, sorry about rabbit hole. I was hoping you would comment about religious metaphysics and keeping certain areas of one's life separate. Highly recommend Ruck Alive. Well, thanks for plugging me. Um, I was hoping you would comment about religious metaphysics and keeping certain areas of one's life separate. Yeah, so that, I mean, that's that's something I've been um, 
you know, thinking about it a lot. So this has been a very introspective experience for me. And, you know, this is going to continue wherever I am. And I'm always, I think, going to be speaking philosophy and specifically the introspective element. Um, understanding metaphysics, especially. Um, metaphysics is undersung, underappreciated, and maybe understudied. And I try, you know, we got into it a little bit last time uh, Seth Levine was on, another friend I made here on the show. Um, there's something about the religious metaphysics that's just like very much informed by, you know, the Plato perspective, which is like there's a there's something perfect somewhere, something perfect. God is perfect, creates the world. Poof. Like when that's what you're told as a child, you come to have this very kind of like absolutist perspective. Now, absolutes do exist, of course. Reality is an absolute. Reason is an absolute in ethics, right? It needs to be. Um, however, a lot of facts that we're kind of evaluating or assessing are going to be nuanced in reality or, you know, not as easy to categorize in absolute terms. So what's the ultimate absolute uh, to, to hold in mind? I say life and death, life and death. That's kind of like the barometer, right? Like life and death. I mean, happiness is a barometer in, in the emotional, in the emotional level. But um, when when getting uh, hyperbolic in my mind, when I get carried away, when I start to paint as an artist, forgetting that reality is not um, exactly a work of art, I kind of remind myself, okay, 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 come back to just life and death. Is this type of thinking bringing me closer to a good life? Is this preserving my life and enhancing it, or is this type of thinking sort of chipping away? at the energy I have and, and kind of driving me towards a pl Platonist metaphysics, which is death. Um, hope that made a little bit of sense. And that's the kind of thing you get. You hang around me long enough. Seamus with $5 says, thank you. Thank you, Seamus. I've always wanted to say that name, but rarely had the opportunity. All right, we're uh, running out of time here. I got to, you know, not 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 hearing a lot of uh, memories from you guys. Do you guys have any memories? I mean, let me scroll a bit. I didn't see any in the super chat, but uh, um, just scrolling through the chat, I don't really see. Okay, Sammy says the best episode is the one where I got stuck. See, there was a wonderful memory, you know, with, uh, with Pellegrino as the host. I remember he laughed very hard. I saw in the playback afterwards. I was like suddenly glitching. And, you know, that was a uh, wonderful moment when when the movie is made about this show and about the network um, that'll that I think that moment will definitely be written into it. Um, all right. So, uh, OK, I hate Trump. Uh, January 6th made me question if I even want to live in America anymore. I think I've played a good part despite my excitement as an artist. Um, I think I played a good role in containing the excitement and the temptation that you know we have to say this is east germany right this is they're evil okay okay yes yes a lot there's a lot of evil in this world but there's also a lot a lot of uh little people quote unquote that is people who are not career intellectuals and they've been led astray by the intellectual leaders it's like i don't know find it find uh, I, I i i really try to find um I try to find em empathy and sympathy and be patient and accept that, you know, just like it, it's taken me so long to kind of find my way and to face certain things. And all of you face took you a while and it's going to take you a while to face certain harsh truths in this world. 
uh, not everybody is going to immediately embrace this this uh, thrilling new philosophy that Ayn Rand offered. A lot of them, they're they're using their bravery, they're using their courageous capital on other things in their own lives, a lot of them, right? So, um, all right, let's, <laughs> why it says, maybe you could keep that benevolent spirit when it comes to the right. Well, you know what? I actually do, um, believe it or not. Like I'm friends with people who are like, you know, in, they think Tucker Carlson is doing great work. And that's kind of something else I have to contend with in life. Like in LA, pretty much anyone, any new friend I'm going to make in LA is probably going to think BLM is great. Uh, and outside of LA and hanging around, you know, internet edgy people or whatever, political commentators, you're going to, you're going to, you know, uh, form an emotional, spiritual bond with people who have truly wrong beliefs or, or, or knowledge and stuff. So, um, you know, I I don't like the idea of condemning all right wingers like they're all evil, of course. Um, but uh, just like we condemn the intellectual leaders of society, we say it's the intellectual leaders who have cheated most people. Uh, they have reneged on their responsibility. Definitely the uh, political voices on the right. The Daily Wire, Steven Crowder, I mean, you name it. I'm I'm highly disappointed in them. They know they know they can do better. They know, I mean, just to think, you know, in like 10 years ago, Ben Shapiro was on uh Pierce Morgan saying, Don't lump me in with Alex Jones. And that today Ben Shapiro has a network of Alex Joneses, basically. I mean, it's just constant, like, oh, election be oh, Democrats stealing elections, oh, Democrats, oh, the vaccine, the vaccine, don't get vaccinated. It's like, come on. Really? You can't save liberty by actually being a respectable human being, like actually having intellectual integrity. Regina has been a member for nine months. It says, thanks for everything. Oh, well, thank you, Regina. Um, big fan, by the way, Regina Skepter, I'm assuming. Uh, back to the sort of trip down memory lane. Wouldn't it be funny if this uh, final episode ends with me uh, in a yelling match with the chat room about uh, the right versus the left or whatever um yeah i mean i could go on and on about the right and the left but like it's like we know the left is bad right i mean we, we it's all been discussed before zombie with 499 says favorite parts of arc uk are the rucka plus nico's episodes oh that's certainly a one opinion there's definitely room for disagreement as great as those are there's you know I mean, what about a good honig and and i episode and there's always pellegrino and me um uh, why it says that can become an excuse to give the left a pass while they're winning. Well, it can become that, but uh, that's not what it is. It's uh, I'm ultimately I'm advocating for something positive. I'm saying if you're not going to be rational, you're no friend of mine. And yes, unfortunately, the Democrats, the left, whatever it is, they're going to win elections and they're going to continue to gain uh, probably a lot of cultural relevance. I mean, that could swing back against them. Hopefully the average Joe out there who's who wants nothing to do with Trump also seems to not want the woke stuff. And once corporations kind of get the, that memo, they might cool down with some of their virtue signaling. Look, ultimately, it's not about any of them. Ultimately, it's about something positive. Um, so we're offering something positive here. Um, all right, uh, trip down memory lane as we wrap this up. Mark says with $2, are you going to close with a song? 
Stick around and find out. So then what happened? And no, no summary of the daily objective history would be complete without this. Do you know what I'm going to say? Did you guess it? I'll give you a hint. That's right. I got COVID-19. And, you know, in a way, it felt like we got COVID-19. And, you know, and, and it brought us closer together. It gave us something to talk about. We all got to sort of uh, joke around about it. Why it says you were a trooper during those episodes. Thank you. See, we're all we're all getting along great here. Um, yeah, no, thank you. That was, you know, I remember Rozzy, I, I tweeted, I said, I have COVID-19. Please buy my merch, like link below. And Rozzy, I think just like didn't even schedule me. He assumed I couldn't host. And I, I called him up and said, what, what's going on? He was like, I assume I, I thought you just can't. Oh, it's like, what do you mean? COVID lasts like three weeks. So you, you were just, I was not going to host for like three weeks. I was on, I, as, if I'm able to talk and I'm staying home anyway, why not host? Right. Um, now there's COVID and there's COVID, you know, some people lose their taste buds. They really, really got sick. I had like, it felt like a bad, a bad, uh, sore throat. Oh, it doesn't really lend itself to the idea that I was able to, um, host without any problems. Um, but, um, but also I was, it was mostly fine. It was, um, moments of attack, pain attacks, the chest stuff, the feeling of like, like, I imagine this is what, like what going into labor is like, it's like all you can think about is just breathing. Like I could not think about anything. I could imagine so many horrible situations where that would have happened when people were around and they would try to help quote unquote. And they're like, are you okay? Get your hand off me. I couldn't, I wouldn't even be able to say that to them. Imagine if I was driving and I pull over. And I'm just like, you know, going through this panic attack in my car. And then like a cop walks over, excuse me, sir, what's going on? You know, and then we have another uh, police brutality situation on our hand as I'm basically suffering intensely. I don't know if those pain attacks lasted 10 minutes or one minute or what. I just remember time stood still as the objectivist adjacent band Rush would say, would sing. Time stand still. There you go, Mark Moses. All right, so I got COVID. All right, a couple other uh, highlights that I will mention. And there's a lot I'm leaving out today because I, I just I just kind of went with like first things that occurred to me. And I, I figured some of you would have some more uh, memories you would come up with. But uh, I guess the internet never forgets, quote unquote. But that's only when someone's getting canceled, right? Like when somebody's in trouble, that's when the internet remembers every last detail. But other than that, like, I'm like, hey, remember, think of any good times? There's just like radio silence. Um, uh, so Paul Gay was a, was a guest that I was really excited to have on. I didn't know who he was until moments before we went live that day, but he directed or not directed. He produced, he wrote, whatever it is. He was one of two men behind the Little Rascals. That was an important film. That was an important film. Uh, for me as a kid, you know, I mean, you've heard me talk about a very, very strict religious background. And to me, like before there was internet, before there was YouTube, before there was all these entertainers competing for your attention, getting your hands on one VHS tape was like an historical moment. It was like, you know, uh, the, the main character in Anthem discovering a book. Um, the Little Rascals was a very benevolent film 
Uh, it spoke to relatable stuff to me because I was a little a little boy and here were a bunch of boys who like they hated the girls and, you know, but one of them liked the girl. So obviously that's relatable to a, a sort of confused boy who on one hand uh, feels this sort of uh, resentment. But on the other hand, uh, Loki is kind of, kind of likes girls as well. You know, religion definitely made that whole con that whole um issue uh, a very psychologically confusing one you know uh, the orthodox jews the real orthodox not ben shapiro you know go flirting with women on twitter all day and then you know taking pictures with hot republican chicks around the country not those types of jews real jews as meant to borrow a phrase from shapiro real jews <laughs> real orthodox jews they don't touch the opposite sex they don't sit next to the opposite sex they barely look the opposite sex in the eye if it's not their spouse and sometimes not even that not even their spouse so you know the genders were segregated uh in my upbringing um you know from like age four basically in school and um it was uh you know it was not a very normal experience uh, compared to a lot of people so yeah um you know the little rascals was here's this movie about kids they're they're loving life. They're having fun, and they're going through these changes in life that are uh, raising certain issues. And uh, Alfalfa, uh, he he tells his friends he, at one point he goes, "I like girls," and his friend, um, not Bucky. Bucky was the African American gentleman or young man. It was um, who's the guy who wore a yarmulke for some reason on the Little Rascals? Uh, Spanky. Spanky said, "Yeah, there you go." Christopher said it. Um, Spanky says, I know you like girls, Alfalfa. The problem is rules are rules. And Alfalfa says, well, why do we have to be a club? Because we hate something. Like, can't we be a club because we like something? And I remember thinking like, no, that sounds lame, right? Like we're a club because we do. But now I get it. It's like, whoa, that was like, that was a impact. That was in a, you know, indirectly. That's like the objectivist value value-driven uh, approach to the world there in one sentence. Can't we be a club because we like something? Um, so yeah, The Little Rascals, you know, brings back memories of joy and to, you know, to be here getting to talk to its creator and to grill him about the scene with Mel Brooks playing a banker who denies a loan to one man and then two Hasidic Jews walk in and he's just, oh, he goes, oh, have, have sit down. What can I do for you? Yeah, how much money do you need? Uh, I had some questions on that day. Thank you, Emily, for the super chat. Um, so that was amazing. And of course, he also produced uh, Liar, Liar, the Jim Carrey film. I mean, Jim Carrey, to me, was another huge, important figure. The Mask, I mean, I mean, we can I can do a full episode here just talking about The Mask. Um, it embellishes, it uh, brings out your innermost character i guess like so jim carrey in, in the mask puts on the mask becomes a super fearless cartoon character it's like who he really wants to be whereas the bad guy puts on the mask and becomes even meaner and more cruel it's a wonderful uh movie i mean the the animation right the the 1995 uh cgi effects in the mask were incredible uh life-changing uh why it says that movie made cameron diaz too oh yeah why you know the left the right who cares we can all agree cameron diaz in the mask was an important moment in any young man's uh childhood along with um heartbreakers another movie that paul gay made i think it was called heartbreakers with 
uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt uh, plays a conning. She and her mother in the movie play like a deceptive duo who like make men fall in love with them in order to, you know, trick them into adultery, whatever. All this whole scheme in order to get to get their money. Um, and uh, there, again, another movie that shows you that lying is not the best policy. Lying is not the way. Um, honesty or va- pursuit of values is the way. So you can see uh, objectivist ethics um, permeating the culture in places you would least suspect. All right. Um, let me t- take a sip of my tea. Another highlight of this uh, series has most definitely been the, the series of interviews I did with Jason Rines. Um, he is one of the greats. He, I mean, again, objectivism is a small handful of, it has a small handful of experts, but I think he's definitely, he's definitely on that very short list. Um, so, you know, that those episodes were very dense and uh, that was just a wonderful thing to be able to participate in. Um, it's really cool to be in a position where I don't need to know stuff, but I just need to ask the right questions and get people talking. So that was that was that was uh, another highlight for sure. Um, all right. So uh, thank you for joining us today. I am, uh, you know, it is my birthday. I'm, uh, you know, doing a little bit small dinner later and uh, tomorrow I'm flying uh, to another city where, uh, among other things I'm going to the city for, I will be having another like mini birthday dinner. So it's, uh, it's, it's wonderful to have, I hate to say it, you know, I really hate to say the government don't want to see, but if Roosevelt was living, he wouldn't let this be, oh, you know, it's like Michael you're being accused of doing something that, um, you know, we all agree is wrong, right? Like he goes, your proclamation gave me liberty. Michael, these kids are saying you did something that the proclamation emancipation does not permit you to do. But um, I love that song. They don't care about us. I, I listen to it on repeat. Um, even though you don't have to, I disagree with it philosophically. It's very them versus us. And we need Roosevelt now more than ever. It's, it's bullshit. He he blames the Jews at one point, which is, you know, he he censored the the K word out of there, you know, due to a public outcry. But still, it's it's art. It's poetry. I, I didn't want him to censor it. I wouldn't have had him censor it. It's art. We need to be able to hear it if or whatever. We need to be able to answer it philosophically. Um, so anyway, I was, as I was saying, I really hate to say it, but it's kind of a good idea to have a little bit of a trip, a little bit of travel lined up if you're going to break up with somebody, you know. Make sure it's the right decision, but then uh, it doesn't hurt to get on a plane soon after and uh, kind of change the scenery a little bit. So this right here is a breakup. But unlike uh, a romantic breakup, I will plant a little bit of hope in you and say, hey, maybe we'll uh, get back together someday because it could happen. It could happen. But if this was a romantic type of breakup, I would not give any type of hint because that's it's, you know. It's cruel and it's also you can't really know that type of thing. And it's 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 a it's not it's not the way it's not the way. So in business, I think it's perfectly fine to say, hey, maybe we'll, we'll get back together in the future. And this is a kind of more of a business type of uh, breakup. Um, OK, I'll uh, in the mo- minute we have left, I will leave you with a quote by the enigmatic Michael Malice. Uh, I think he once said to an anti-Semite, 
He said, if there were no Jews, you would still be a janitor. Isn't that a powerful line? If there were no Jews, you would still be a janitor. So don't blame the world for your station in life. So I will say to the objectivists, if the, to whom this applies, if we lived in a rational society, if objectivism were prevalent, if we had capitalism and all that, you would still be a weirdo. So work on that now here in this timeline, you know? You're not gonna magically become like this really cool guy because the world becomes rational. It actually gets, you know, you could fall farther behind if other people are getting it. Um, all right, and that's all we have to say. I really have to say about that, uh, to quote Forrest Gump. Upcoming today, uh, it's coming up today at 7 p.m. UK time in just a couple minutes, you know, it wouldn't be a daily objective on a Friday without a hard stop at, you know, the bottom of the hour for Finance Friday with Jim Brown on financial repression, the disease and the cure. And on Sunday at 3.30 p.m. UK time, the Objective Communication Study Group with James Valiant for ARC UK members. The session will also be live streamed to YouTube members. All right. Uh, again, thank you, everybody, for everything. You know, there's never enough time to really go over everything and to say everything. There's a lot of things I know we wanted to say that we didn't get to say. Again, if you can't live without me and you want to hear more of my uh, wonderful thoughts, I do have a live streaming channels, channel, Rucka Live. Uh, and there you can learn more about my thoughts on stuff and about other projects I'm working on um, and all of that. And of course, uh, anyone can get a hold of me anytime you want. My social media DMs are open and all of that. So I have a website. I mean, you can get a hold of me if there's anything you wanted to say that we didn't, you know, that uh, that is, you know, that you want to say. So don't hesitate unless you're weird, in which case uh, maybe hesitate. Um, all right. And my final message to the objectivist community is something uh, I never really told you. I am Dan Norton. Subscribe to me on YouTube. This is a gift I got myself for my birthday. It really has nothing to do with Dan Norton. But yeah, I like him. So check him out on YouTube. I really was hoping this would work a bit better. Here, take a On that very strange note, thank you for joining us today. Stay tuned for Jim Brown. And don't want to uh, step on his time. He uh, does not look like somebody I would uh, fare well in a, you know, fist-to-fist -fist altercation with. And force is not the way. Uh, everybody, it's been wonderful. I'm not going to filibuster on Jim's time. Thank you all. Uh, love you all. You love me. We're a happy family. And, and, and goodbye. <laughs>